Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for seeing, thanks for tuning in, thanks for downloading, thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast, shining a light on bright ideas. We're in the food space today with a company called Good Food for Good. Hey, how cool is that? Like, you can't even help but want to know more, right? And on the podcast, it's founder and president, Richa Gupta. It's so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Justin. I am so excited to be here. I am too. I mean, it's it, we just were having the best conversation prior to record. And I'm like, wait, we have to stop and hit record or else we will just have a great conversation and nobody will hear it. So <laughs> it's so good that you're here. Uh, I can't wait to dive into your company. Your, and um, what a really cool. I, I mean, I love your products. Um, and I, I was go, having fun going through and figuring out like, I wonder which ones are the top sellers and whatnot. But before we get there, um, I always love to you know, spotlight some of our, our founders' backgrounds and some of their story and how they got there. And you have some CPG and retail in your background, but how about share a bit about that before launching Good Food for Good? Absolutely. Um, so Justin, I grew up in India. Um, when I was little, all I wanted to do was fashion, right? Like that's from teenage years. I should not say little. So that that's what I did. I worked in fashion for several years and I worked in three countries, India, US, and Canada. And something changed when I was pregnant with my daughter. Um, I just felt it was too superficial. Like I just grew out of that industry. Um, and I was an immigrant to Canada. So to switch industries, I knew I had to go and study further. So I did my MBA. Um, I did my MBA while I was uh, pregnant and during my maternity leave. Um, and then switched to food. And I convinced myself that food, CPG, uh, would at least allow me to touch something more meaningful, right? Like everyone sure. needs food. Absolutely. Right? Love so, it. <laughs> uh, so the General Mills uh, uh, interviewed me on campus. They hired me full time. I had a great time uh, for the first couple of years. Um, I just loved how much uh, autonomy I had and decision making, how much I learned about managing brand. Like you have CPG background, so you understand how how it's really cool, actually, because you are managing or running a brand without any financial responsibility, technically, right? It's not your money. Um, true. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and uh, I think my role just a little bit uh, the last, uh, last year I was leading um, something we called um, holistic margin management called HMM. Sure. Uh, where I started learning a lot, lot more about what goes in the products, and I started asking questions because my my role was to improve the market of product. You need to know how the product is made and everything before you do that. And also the information about, I guess, what goes in processed food and how it's impacting health was very prominent at that time. Sure. So the combination of two. Two plus eye juggling as a mother who's, you know, who always, I grew up with fresh food, clean ingredients. And now I had like 20 minutes to cook and bathe and put my daughter to bed. <laughs> right. Um, and I was looking, right, right. And I was looking for shortcuts and everything that I looked at was loaded with so much, so many things that I didn't consider food. 
Got it. Um, so the, the, the combination of, you know, me not doing what I thought I would be doing, like something meaningful, uh, me struggling myself as a mother to feed my child, uh, get this idea to to create something that's clean, that would help mothers like myself to to make food that they feel good about, right, in short amount of time. Sure. Uh, and not have to order pizza night after night after night, right? So. I love it. Oh, that's a cool. So you you got to the business problem you want to solve, which is great, and you were living it. What were the first steps um, in, in terms of launching the business, and what was the initial product idea? So initial product idea was world sauces and dips because I I ate world food like from in my house even now. Like one day we eat Indian, one day we eat Mexican, one day we eat Italian, one day we eat. I like that's how I live. <laughs> got it. <laughs> You've got flavor some good variety there. <laughs> it's like everything. <laughs> I know. I know. Flavor is very important for me, and I get really bored of eating the same food. I'm not one of those people who can eat salad and chicken every day. Um, <laughs> I think there's some people listening going, "Oh my god, I eat salad and chicken every day." <laughs> I think there are you people know, like that. That's yes, fine. It makes. Totally. It makes your life easy, but I'm just not that kind of person. (laughs) I get it. Um, And I'm sure there are more people like me um, as well, uh, since the business is doing fine. (laughs) No, I think Um, since the business is doing fine, that's great. So you're going to get into sauces um, and there's a lot of sauces out there. So how did you decide your angle into this, this segment? Totally. So we did, uh, I did my consumer research, thanks to General Mills. They have trained me well enough to do that. And uh, I actually did something they they call lemonade stand, which is, I did farmer's markets. Lemonade stand is is a form of research where it's not that you're making people sit in a room and asking their opinions. You're actually out in the market and you are selling and people are voting with their wallets and they are coming and giving feedback. So I did farmer's market for several years when I started the company um, to get that feedback, to understand what people like, what they don't like, what kind of spice level do they like, um, what flavors work better for them versus others, what kind of, um, um, should say, points of difference matter to them. So, sure. so most when when I started the company, and even till date, actually, the cooking classes that we have are the only of its kind in the world, not even in Canada and US. So they're all plant based. They're all certified organic. They're all whole thirty approved. They're paleo. They're keto. Like you name it, and we have it. Um, we haven't. They're kosher. <laughs> we haven't. Loved- <laughs> So, so the idea was anyone who lives with a restrictive diet, whether it's for health or religion or whatever that may be, sure, it's actually very difficult for them to eat variety of foods because anything you get from the store shelves is loaded with too much sugar. Yeah, no added sugar as well. Like that's also part of our products. Got it. Um, or too much sodium or dairy or nuts. Like there's always something or the other. Um that impacts your health in some or the other way. So, so our product is meant for anyone looking for um, for clean, of course, clean ingredients, organic ingredients, but also the ones who are avoiding things that are bad for them. So it's it. free of many, many things, but delicious. I love it. Um, you hadn't well. Good that you did the research. How did you figure out like where to start, which product to start with, you know, which sauce to start with, and then who did you go to for like the 
creating the bottle and the label and the the initial mix. I mean, that you hadn't been. Did you make it in your kitchen? I doubt it. Like, how did you how did you think about that? Yeah, it was quite an iterative process. Um, so I did use Google Trends to figure out what's the right product uh, to start with. So I did the most popular Indian sauces, the most popular Mexican flavors that people like. Those were the two lines we launched. And we also had dips back in the day, um, which were completely new to the world, a whole different category that came out, out of the need of people who were at the market. Um but uh, but that's so I use Google Trends and then consumer feedback helped me iterate. Yes, initial recipes definitely happened in my kitchen. Um, and uh, I always I always loved cooking. Um, so so I learned a lot. My my what you call my learning curve of food science was so steep right. in earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to add any preservative to my, my food and anyone, any R&D person or food scientist I met, their advice was to add citric acid or add ascorbic acid. They're like, people don't know. People eat ascorbic acid. It's vitamin C. <laughs> Just add it. It's okay. Like, no, I wouldn't add anything that I, that people don't have in kitchen and they wouldn't add it when they're making their food. Sure. <laughs> totally. It makes sense. <laughs> I, I had to actually do a lot of R&D work myself. And then every time I iterate, I would send it for testing for many, many months to see how long it will last. So it was a longer process, but I was so jaded after my time at the mills that I wanted to be as extremely different from what uh, is available in commercial uh, marketplace that, you know, I wasn't great to give up on values. So it was. Sure. No, that makes sense. And then, I mean, it, did you already have the network in terms of figuring out production, manufacturing, how much to make of each kind? And like, you know, what was the initial route to market? Were you selling direct to consumer? What'd that look like? Yeah. So luckily in Canada, we have commercial kitchens. So initially when I started, when we were doing farmer's markets, we would do runs in commercial kitchen. I had a part-time chef with me who would help me cook and bottle. So it's like, I, it's again, I thought working at the CPG that I know how to manage a business. <laughs> but managing a business in CPG... <laughs> right, it's different it's, when you work for a big brand versus when yeah. you're, it's your brand. <laughs> It, it was sent an email. That's all I did for regulations. Right. This is the issue. Send an email. And now Someone you own it. Out. You got to own that label. That's right. I know. All the emails came to me. So, so it was, again, it was a, a, a challenge, but, you know, nevertheless, um, they're bigger challenges. Who knew? They yeah, were even course. bigger challenges as you. I'm as sure. You, um, we're going to get to some of those in a minute. Um, how were you selling initially? Like, were you selling to friends and family or through, uh, you know, direct to consumer? Did you get on e-marketplaces six years ago? So it would have been early days. Yeah, what, what did that look like? Yeah, very early days. That was very early days for e-market. So it was like physical farmer's markets. Um, so I I used to, back in the day, it was so funny. I used to have cities in the day. And I would park my Mercedes because that's where you park your cars behind my tent. <laughs> and so many, so many consumers would come and make fun of me. Like what? I was the laugh. Like they would laugh at me because 
because most people in farmers markets are farmers and not really you know they have trucks sure <laughs> they have trucks you have a car <laughs> i have a car and i would pull out my tent from the car so i was like a laughing stock of the market that's okay though maybe you were unique and different <laughs> I know, but the whole purpose was I was there for a reason. That was not my lifelong mission. That was my lemonade stand, and I was learning right. from every interaction I had with people. And until date, every time I have those interactions, there is insight. There are insights that I get that I can't get sitting behind the computer. Got it. I love that. Um, okay, so how did you know it was working? And when did you know it was working? How long from like, hey, I'm going to start a company to I've got something bottled here that people might buy and it, it and they're buying it? So the initial concept started some, somewhere around 2014, 2015. It was 2017 and I spent the time for market. 2017, then I actually started scaling things up because I got commercial recipes by then. I had my shelf life taken care of as i said right i had to chat test month by month by month yeah. to figure out if it's working without preservatives we added date as a sweetener instead of um, sugar or high fructose corn syrup sure like we just used dates and at that time it was i it took me a while to find organic dates versus conventional dates and i was hell-bent on only using organic ingredients so 2017 was when we were able to actually start scaling the product when I had all the organic ingredients, certifications, and ready to go. Got it. And then so several it, years. Yeah, no, I mean, and I always it's always interesting, right? When um when we're talking to different founders and entrepreneurs, like it's not usually overnight. You know, it takes months and years to get to where you're mm -hmm. actually profitable or finding yeah. traction. And then um, I know you're all over Amazon. You've got a great Amazon store and whatnot. When did you move into you know, e-marketplaces and where did you start to see scale? Groceries actually are big, um, a big channel right now. E-commerce is actually a very small part of our business because we package in glass. Um, it's a just a challenge and very expensive. It's heavy and expensive to ship. <laughs> For those that haven't mm -hmm. sold online, like you got to ship that product to, let's say, Amazon and then they take a piece, right, when you sell it, and then it gets shipped out, and there's a shipping fee. So, like, exactly. there's a lot of margin cut out in the marketplaces because, and especially with heavy products like beverage exactly. or, or sauces. Exactly. So, grocery is definitely our mainstay in Canada. We are a Canadian, native Canadian company. In Canada, we are in even Loblaws, Walmart, like all the grocery channels. In U.S., our biggest retailer is Whole Foods U.S. Uh, we are not, we have national distribution. Um, with Whole Foods, we are with Whaley's, Hannaford, Stop and Shop, um, so several uh, uh, accounts in the U.S. We are like that's our growth uh, platform for the coming years. It's just focused on grocery. And how did you? Yeah, I'm guessing initially you handled like shipping and delivery and all that. Is that still the case, or over time have you had to move to a co-packer or other route to market from distribution? Yeah, so 2017, we moved to co Like, that's when, when we scaled, we actually had a co-packer um, doing our stuff. And then we got 3PL. So right now, our company is pretty much managed virtually. Uh, it's a small team. And then we have a 3PL. We have co-packer. Um, I can technically work from anywhere in the world. And sure. still, things will run. And things will run. I love it. How do you decide what to add? So um, if you haven't been on to good for, for good 
food, sorry, goodfoodforgood.ca. You'll see all the products and bundles and whatnot. So you got bolognese sauces, cooking sauces, barbecue sauces, ketchups, et cetera. Like, it didn't start off as that. How have you decided over time what to add? So a, a lot of listening to the consumers. So ketchups and barbecue sauces came from the farmer's markets because we were in our cooking sauces. We were not using any sugar. Um, I had customers who asked me to make ketchup because their kids were eating a lot of sugar and they didn't have any alternatives. So in Canada, we are the number one no added sugar ketchup. Um, in US, we are the number two organic no added sugar ketchup. Wow, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It has, I don't know if like listeners know, a serving of ketchup, Heinz ketchup, has the same amount of sugar as a Chips Ahoy cookie. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Some people were just just ran off the path when they're listening to this podcast or drove off the road. <laughs> I mean, who, who eats one tablespoon? Who eats? Who stops at one tablespoon when you? Nobody. I mean, you know, when you want ketchup, I mean, you know, it's usually I need extra or I'm piling it on, right? Oh my yeah, gosh! Like you don't even think about it, right? You're just no, dipping and eating. Just like I sauce. never measured my ketchup before. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then barbecue sauces are worse. Let me <gasps> tell you, Sweet Baby Ray has more sugar in two tablespoons than your Krispy Kreme donut, glazed donut. What? Yes. Oh my gosh! I don't think people realize yeah. that. No, people don't, and it's sad, right? Because they try and eat healthy. They're you know making right choices. They're going to the gym, and then when they put the food in their mouth, they're just you know. Sugar is so inflammatory, right? It just completely negates everything that you're doing. Sure. To heal your body. Um, wow. I, I and, and I think that's part of your burning platform for your products. And I mean, that's and it's probably what's driven a lot of your growth. A lot of it's consumer awareness, right? Wouldn't you say? Yes. Yes. Totally. Totally. Okay, so um, you've been growing now six plus years in. Uh, we talked about grocery, talked about e-commerce, talked about D2C. So how do you continue to penetrate, especially grocery and other uh, markets? How does that look in terms of growth and, and, and how are you approaching that? In the U.S., we have only scratched the surface. In Canada, uh, you know, we've been fortunate. We have great partners. So there is still a lot of room to grow in the U.S. We have, we have uh, barely scratched the surface. So, you know, one account at a time, one customer at a time, one store at a time. Uh, we just want to focus on building awareness of brand. Like in Canada, a lot of people know our brand. In US, we are still fairly new. Um, so once that grows, and we are a self-funded company, so we are in no rush. We're not trying to get to X number of doors in X months. That's not sure. our goal. Um, we just we want to do the business the right way. We are a certified B Corp. Um, you know, values matter to us as a business. Integrity matters to us as a business. Got it. I love that. And and what are your top sellers? You know, you have a pretty good portfolio here now of different sauces, and which is great from a category perspective. What are your top yeah. sellers? So definitely our ketchup is our top most seller, classic ketchup and classic barbecue. Uh, the Indian sauces are new to U.S. market and butter chicken is killing it. Um, I guess everybody, Ooh, everybody butter chicken, yeah, craved a plant-based butter chicken sauce <laughs> because you know that just says how many people are not doing dairy, right? And any sauce so and sugar, right? A lot of people are avoiding sugar and dairy, and anything you buy in the market is loaded 
with sugar, with sugar. and dairy. I don't know why sauces need to have sugar. I just don't understand that. I don't either. I'm not a food scientist. Uh, uh, that would be a great question. Like, what? Why? Like, is there a way to? Yeah find a substitute and it tastes just as good. And I think that's kind of what you've done, right? I mean, that's kind of part of your angle. Yeah. Um, I always love to ask what hasn't worked. And I'm sure some things have been challenging over this time. It hasn't all been like growth and happiness. Like what, anything you'd share with our audience of things that you tried that just didn't work out or that failed, or you, you tried a sauce line and nobody bought it? Totally. I'll give you an example from my farmer's market days. So we launched these lineup dips that were new to the world, completely new to the world, really high protein, uh, chickpea based, black bean based. Um, so one was called Mumbai Mint, one was called Bunyal Asado, one was called Oaxaca Arbol. So names were out of the world. They were like hummus, <laughs> but not hummus, right? They sound um, good. <laughs> yeah. So in farmer's market, they did phenomenal because people were able to taste and they were like, oh my God, this tastes great. I'm going to buy it. And they had like really short shelf life. They were fresh tips. Um, and um, <laughs> and when I launched them in retail, they tanked. Oh. Like in, um, <laughs> in two months, I had to take it off the shelf because consumers know what to expect from the product if it's in a jar. And I can't, we can't, you can't be at every store tasting or giving samples out 24 7 sure no so, you can't <laughs> that was my learning right if you don't have the naming right that people could understand then it's no matter how the practice it's not going to work totally i i so we have seen that in a couple of instances on our our show where you know sound the the name sounded so cool and then it, it didn't sell because people didn't know what it was, you know? <laughs> so exactly. Um, no, that's, that's, a, that's actually great advice for entrepreneurs. And, and what do you find? Do people get enamored with an idea and then they have a hard time, you know, thinking different? Is that what you found? Yeah, totally. Interesting. Totally. Um, I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Obviously. Right. It's hard not to, I mean, especially when it's your baby, it's like your thing, your thing you're so excited about and whatnot. Um, Okay. Exactly. And I also love to ask, like, what are the things that you, in terms of advice you'd offer to other entrepreneurs? I mean, like, you, you know, it's not first year or second year for you. You know, you're six years in, like, you've got a lot of uh, founders that listen to our show. Like, what would be two or three things you'd offer to them in terms of, you know, how, do you, how have you made it work? Or what advice would you have in terms of longevity and whatnot? Perseverance, right? You just need to keep doing it. Don't be scared to fit. If this is what you want to do, if entrepreneurship is what you want to do, You'll find a way. You, um, you. It might not be the first idea. It might be the second idea, or it might be the third idea. But it's all about just staying persistence. Just keep doing it. Be patient. Not everything like what you see. And I think social media has made it worse because everybody's expectations um, have changed a lot. Nobody knows the real story behind things. You only see highlights, and you. You think that that's what reality is, but sure. it's a highlight. Yeah, <laughs> right? no doubt. It's a highlight. <laughs> exactly. So true. Uh, nobody's life is like that. <laughs> no, it's a highlight reel. Like, that's what Instagram is. That's what TikTok is. That's what Facebook. I mean, it's like your highlight reel. Um, no, that's really good and interesting. What about from a people perspective? How have you found either people you've brought onto your team or, or partners? How has that worked over time? So we are still a very close-knit team. We don't have any investors. We are self-funded so far. 
Um, and, uh, my, my team members have been incredible. Like I've been lucky to attract good talent. Um, sometimes it's challenging for a smaller companies. And I think for, for us, it's challenging to keep them for very long because again, we are small company. Uh, there's a lot of attractive VC money that takes away, uh, you know, so everybody needs money at the sure. end of the day. No um, but I've been, I've been, I've been, um, fortunate to have good people by my side. That's great. I mean, I think it's important to surround yourself with the right people and that's not always easy. Right. And, um, anyway, um, and we've definitely talked about that quite a bit on our show. Um, listen, share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, check out your products, et cetera. Yeah, Absolutely. So you can um, connect with us at goodfoodforgood.ca. That's our website. And Good Food for Good is our handle on TikTok, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, wherever you go for social media, we are there. Um, we also recently won a next day for integrity for our plant-based bolognese sauces that are really new. Um, and, uh, they're powered by pumpkin seeds. Oh, wow. So we Interesting. are, yeah, yeah. So this is like the third wave of plant-based where it's about like real wholesome. I should actually say this, that's like the real plant-based, right? Where you're actually eating real plants and not converting them to other things. To right. <laughs> converting them to meat. Oh my God. And, and were you at Expo West? I, I may have missed you there. Yeah, I was at Expo West and we won the next day. So we are. I thought there was something I read about that. I I was there and I was trying to hit all of the guess so we've had on this show i, I get it's so fun to see so many and um but, but look forward to our meeting in person again sometime soon um so great Absolutely. to have you on uh and so great to learn about your brands love by the way i love the packaging i think what's cool about the packaging the label sticks out um nicely on the shelf and it's obvious what the product is but i also like that the bottle is unique it's not like other bottles so i think that's really cool so really nice job on that um we'd love to have you back on down the road and thanks for just spending time with us and sharing some of your stories with us today of course thank you so much it was fun lots of fun <laughs> the contender cast is powered by contender brands and is the top global consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast you can find additional Contender Cast episodes on worldwide podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. <laughs>